The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit BeattyChevrolet.com. Deep down the middle, has got his man, and he's gone. Jason Swain, touchdown. It's time for the Swain Event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whip him. It's time for the Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Get into his house and a red flag. Point of it, point of it.com, fueled by that end barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. It is Thursday, July the 27th. It is the best day of the week. Ben McKee of Go Vols 247. Hope everyone is having a fantastic morning. I mean, since when is it okay to start cutting grass at like 7 a.m. in the morning or before 7 a.m. in the morning? I've been thinking about this all morning long. I've Googled it. Then good morning. Good morning and happy birthday, my friend. You, you're, you're not going to get away with this acting like it's not your birthday today. I, I, I know you're not a big birthday guy. I, I think you're coming around more to it as as you get older. But happy birthday to you, everybody listening. Be sure to tweet at Swain, shoot him a text if you have his number. Pop in on the on the text box. Call call in. Let, let's show Mr. Swain some some love for for all that he does for everybody throughout the year. So Swain, uh, you know I greatly appreciate you. Got all the love in the world for you, and uh, I, I hope you enjoy your your birthday today and. And I, I hope you feel loved today because you are a special person, my friend. But uh, anything before 8 a.m. is not okay in, in terms of cutting the grass outside. I, I might be willing to go 7.30-ish uh, here towards the end of July because, boy, is it hot this week. It, it, it was hot yesterday. So I, I don't blame anybody for trying to get it out of the way early. But uh, I, I think at least out of respect for your neighbors, if if they're somewhat close to you, if if your houses are, are somewhat close together, I think out of respect, you at least have to wait till till eight o'clock. But I'm willing to listen to seven thirty, seven forty five, just with how hot it is this week. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for the love. I appreciate it, man. That means a lot. Um, I woke up this morning and I heard the sound of lawnmowers, which doesn't bother me at all because I mean, I'm up early and I I wish I could cut my grass super early. Like, I don't I don't really care. So I'm not bringing it up because I'm going to pretend like I'm going to the HOA president when we don't even have HOA. Like, I don't care that much. It's all good. I was just wondering. Because, like, I, I just thought other people didn't do that in terms of cutting their grass super, super early. I don't know if because I heard someone else get their yard cut before 7, if that's going to motivate me to do it. But I was just wondering. So the first person I talked to uh, 
you know, this this morning, hearing someone's voice, this you. So I need to ask you. Well, first off, I'd like to say that I, I'm sorry that I'm the first voice that you have heard today. Ho- hopefully you heard your beautiful wife's voice today uh, but before you, you heard mine. Uh, or at least one of one of your three kids running around that that house over there running around at eight a.m. during the summer. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I honestly have an expectation that your youngest is just always running around, regardless of what time it is, regardless of what day it is. <laughs> no, she's sleep. She's sleep. I let him sleep. I'm, I'm surprised that late. she's not in some camp right now. Yeah, she, she's been old. her and her her younger sister have been the camp queens. Uh, yeah. This summer, yeah, they've been um, they out of camp, so we we smooth sailing until the start of uh, school, which is in here in a couple of days in Knox County. You count so, down the days, yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three is our telephone number here to the Swain event. So I was out of my business. I mean, I'm technically on on, on vacation, I guess, uh, for my day to day gig. For the rest of the week. So I'm just minding my business. Um, I've been doing yard work, to be honest. Getting some of that sun every day. So I know what you're talking about with that 92, 94 degree weather yesterday. Uh, you need felt, some sun. I felt all Skin's of that. Skin's looking a little light. I know, I know right? Um, I'm minding my business, Ben. I ain't bothering anybody. I ain't bothering anybody. I'm just minding my business. So... I get on Twitter. By the way, I'm, I'm I'm going to call it Twitter. Not calling it anything else. It's Twitter. So I was on Twitter, and I I feel strays coming in our direction, in my direction. I'm like, what is what is going on? So I sc- scroll through the timeline. I'm like, what is going on with these Michigan fans and Certain members of the Michigan media. What has gotten into them? Why is Tennessee's name in their mouth? Do we play Michigan? Are we beating Michigan for another kid in recruiting? It seems like we do that at least once or twice a year, where it's, it comes down to Michigan and Tennessee, and then Tennessee beats Michigan. There is a recruit right now that it is coming down to to Tennessee, Michigan. I, I don't. I don't know that either school is is in the lead at the moment for Bennett Warren, the four star <sighs> offensive lineman from Sugarland, Texas, a, a top one hundred player at the tackle position. Swain, I, I know this is the type of recruit that Tennessee fans and, and yourself uh, have been for. salivating over lately. And who knows? We'll, we'll see if he goes to A and M at the end of the month, or I guess it is the end of the month. So. If he heads to A&M these, these next couple of days. Um, but Tennessee and Michigan are battling it out for a, a recruit right now. I, I don't know if it's a coincidence where these Michigan reporters and, and writers feel a certain type of, of way. or I, I don't know, but it, it's weird for sure. I, I mean, I'm just minding my business, Ben. I mean, just doing my thing. And I get on, and I see a Michigan media member Tennessee had 200 infractions and paid recruits slap on the wrist. Michigan got a couple guys burgers and watched Zoom workouts during COVID suspensions. Absurd. 
You got way more than these little 30 characters that you use. Won't you add some more context to that tweet? Won't you add to the tweet why Jim Harbaugh received a four-game suspension? It wasn't just because of burgers. It wasn't just because Zoom workouts. That's not the reason why Harbaugh was suspended. We got to stop doing this. Social media does things to people. Make you say things knowing that you're going to get a certain response to rile up a group of people. Put all the details in there. Here are the details. Jim Harbaugh was not honest with the NCAA. Lied to the NCAA. And we can bring up all kind of cute ways around saying lied, misrepresented the truth, wasn't forthright. Like, what? You lied. If you didn't tell the truth, you lied. It's, it really isn't that simple. You don't tell the truth, it's considered a lie. I know what homes y'all raise up in, but my home, if you if you didn't tell the truth, it's considered a lie. Ben, was that the rule at your house? <laughs> yes, and it, it did not turn out too well for me. If 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 I I did lie to to my parents, I I didn't really get a ton of whoopings as I got older. Uh, because the, the whoopings I, I take all day. Just please don't take MLB the show or <laughs> or Madden or, or or college football away from me. So if I lied, I, I was not playing any of those three games or going outside and playing with my friends for, for several days, if not longer. Well, whoopings is the reason why I, I, I possess some top-tier agility. <laughs> agility? Agility. Yeah, I had agility. Uh, I wasn't the fastest. Straight on, but I had some agility. I can I can make you miss. And imagine having a having a parent that um about forty-five years older than you and kind of whoop you and you shaking and breaking them ankles. He got me now. He eventually whooped my butt, but I shook him out of shoes a couple of times before he got to me. But in my house, man, if you if you didn't tell the truth, it was considered a lie. And Jim Harbaugh flat out lied to the NCAA, which is a level one violation. You didn't learn anything from Bruce Pearl. They got a three-year show calls for lying. Three years. Consider yourself lucky, Michigan fans, that you only got a, a four-game suspension for your head coach. In games that don't even matter. Like the games that Michigan is playing. You and I could go out there as <laughs> as the coaches of, of Michigan the first four weeks of the season, and Michigan will still be 4-0. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green. Oh, 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 non-conference. I mean, a conference game coming up. Rutgers. And Michigan, I'm... Michigan fans, I I like Michigan. 
I really do. I think Tennessee fans between Michigan and Ohio State, I think there's more love towards Michigan than Ohio State from Tennessee fans. There's this Absolutely. sense of entitlement and uh, superiority with the Ohio State that Ohio State just God's gift to football and college football. And I don't think Tennessee fans really vibe with that all that well. So I think Michigan and Tennessee fans are a little bit tighter, could, could coexist in this small space of college athletics more than Ohio State and Tennessee. So, like, it kind of it kind of hurts to see Michigan fans just throwing strays at Tennessee, trying to make points that really are not the same. It's not apples and apples, oranges and oranges. It's apples to oranges here. Tennessee, and we're trying to move on, Michigan. This has been a long process for us, Tennessee fans. Jerem Prue was fired in 2020. Josh Heupel was brought in in 21. We're going on our third season. We just got our sanction. So we're trying to move on here, Michigan fans. But since you want to use us to make your point to the NCAA about how you were treated unfairly, your coach lied to the NCAA. Consider yourself lucky that he only got four games because our former coach, who now coaches Auburn, got three years. Another former basketball coach got a 10-year show calls, but you got a four-game suspension versus East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers for lying, misleading the NCAA. Now, were the infractions weak? Yeah, like the Zoom call? Like you, you watching somebody work out on Zoom? That's, that's that's not a big deal. Like you're not giving anybody cash. All right, you bought a play a burger. Okay. Like player can just pay that money back and y'all just donate that, donate that to charity. Remember how your parents told you, just tell the truth the first time. Because if you don't, then you got a lot to cover up a lot. Then you got a lot to cover up that lot. And then it's a, then it's a, 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 it snowballs until the lie is unable to be controlled. It's just better to tell the truth on the front end. That's what happened to Harbaugh. Just, she just told the truth on the front end. But now it's parlayed to a four-game suspension. And now you got Tennessee all up in your fans' mouth and all up in certain media members' mouth. Tennessee, and we'll move on then. Well, I have a thought. Okay, cool. Tennessee, this is what happened to Tennessee, Michigan fans. Because you got certain media members that cover your program. They want to just conveniently leave out the details, trying to make it seem like that that, that Michigan and was just hammered and Tennessee was just treated like the entitled football program that we are, and nothing happened to Tennessee. I'm, I'm going to give you some details of what happened to Tennessee, Michigan fans. We, impo- we self-imposed scholarships 
All in all, it's, it'll be 25. But we self-impose 16. It'll be 25. It's all said and done. We've paid a $8 million fine. We told on ourselves. <laughs> like, we hired a third-party independent firm, came in, uncovered things that the NCAA didn't even know about themselves. And we put it on the platter for the NCAA. Put it on the platter for them. We fired everybody associated. Everybody. Coaches, assistant coaches, recruiting folks, staff members, got a combined 30 to 35 plus years in show calls. 30 to 35 plus years in show calls. No one is here that was part of that. People got, got caught up in, in that that were innocent. Like, lives were destroyed. Careers were destroyed during that time. So don't tell me how Tennessee just got off a slap on a wrist. Could have been worse? Yeah, I'm sure. But the reason why it wasn't, number one, Tennessee cooperated. They said, told on itself. And it was criticized at the time, but it came out to be the right thing to do. Exemplary. Cooperation. This is what this double-A said. Now, if Jerem Pruitt would have won more games, maybe it wouldn't have went like that. I don't know, but that's what happened, man. We, we, we were punished. People that broke the rules, they're punished. They're not going to be allowed in college athletics. Some 10 years, some three, some six. Those are the facts. Don't miss that information from the equation. But I'm just minding my business, man. I'm just minding my business. Tennessee, I hate trying to catch strays from Michigan folks. They keep yeah. Tennessee out your mouth, Michigan fans. Yeah, you're what you just laid out is is where I was going to go. It's this narrative, and it's not just Michigan fans. There's other fan bases that have been trying to spread this narrative as as well that that Tennessee got off softly. Tennessee did not get off softly. <laughs> They, they they were harshly punished, uh, and the reason that the NCAA did not punish them as much on the back end is because Tennessee punished itself pretty severely on the front end. It fired its head coach, it fired position coaches, and it fired multiple staff members. What was it, 10 total people that were fired, including the head coach? Like, that is, that's not a slap on the wrist. Jim Harbaugh got a slap on the wrist. You, you want to talk about Jim Harbaugh being screwed? Go talk to Bruce Pearl about being screwed. Go talk to Steve Forbes about being screwed and how he had to go to Juco Ball mm. and, and coach Juco Ball in order to make his way back up because he had a show cause and he couldn't coach major college basketball. And Steve Forbes really didn't have anything to do with what went down under Bruce Pearl at, at the time. Steve Forge is kind of the fall guy uh, along with some other assistant coaches. Mm. But go talk to Bruce Pearl and that coaching staff about being screwed because and and I haven't followed the, the Jim Harbaugh thing super in depth. Uh, I just simply know that he, he was lying. And I also know that Bruce Pearl was lying and got hit with a three year show cause along with his assistant coaches. Uh, and, and some of those assistant coaches got more than a three year show cause, if, if I'm not m- mistaken. Um, 
and and then also go talk to Donnie Tindall as well. Like I, I'm not saying that Donnie didn't deserve to be punished and and be removed from uh, being a head coach, but, but the 10 guy years? got a 10, 10 year show calls. Should he should he have been punished? Absolutely. Should he have gotten a ten year show calls to where he can only coach JUCO ball and G League basketball? Absolutely not. So. I, I don't I don't understand the, the the real problem, Swain, is is that people are so emotionally invested in their school and the, the people that they are around that it clouds their judgment. And the, the passion of, of college athletics, it's a blessing and it's a curse. College athletics is what it is. Uh, in in terms of being a successful business because of the the passion and and whatnot that goes into it on a day-to-day basis. On the flip side of that, it clouds a lot of people's judgment. People are unable to to take the glasses and the hat off and and set it to the side for a a quick second and examine things without any bias. People people are not capable of doing that. Uh, and, And that's what you're seeing from a lot of Michigan people. In my opinion, it's like, Jim Harbaugh got four games. To me, Jim Harbaugh got a slap on the wrist. <laughs> four say. games against nobody? Like, come on. That's ridiculous. If if you want to talk about four games at the end of the year and it's it's Ohio State and, and some of those other big-time Big Ten, Big Ten rivalries that, that Michigan has, like, I even think that would be appropriate. Like, you can miss me with the, the four-year or four-game suspension and, and trying to say that Tennessee got off softly when – there are instances in Tennessee's past in, in which a coach was doing something similar and essentially got kicked out of the sport. And and Jim Harbaugh gets four games against nobody. And, and then the Josh Heupel situation has nothing to do with the Jim Harbaugh situation. And, and again, here's something that I, I just really don't understand. And I get it. It's opposing fan bases. But why should Josh Heupel be punished for something that he did not do. Why would Josh Heupel get suspended? He wasn't the head coach here. He's already been punished enough by having to deal with all this drama whoa, whoa, on the recruiting trail the, the last several seasons. Ben, did, are you suggesting that there were Michigan fans saying that Josh Heupel should be punished? Yes. For what Jeremy Pruitt did? Or que- questioning why Heupel was not suspended as as well and and – just all all sorts of stuff. I mean, and and to me that falls under the umbrella of why did Tennessee not get punished more severely? And and I just think you you don't know what happened if if you think that Tennessee did not get punished severely. They punished themselves severely on the front end by firing everybody, by self-imposing recruiting restrictions and everything of of that nature. They handled the situation perfectly. Maybe Michigan fans instead of being upset and trying to compare themselves to Tennessee, maybe they should be emailing Jim Harbaugh and writing love letters to Jim Harbaugh about how next time he gets in trouble or does something wrong, he should cooperate with the NCAA in the manner that Tennessee did, and maybe next time he doesn't get a four-game suspension. Maybe that's where they need to be spending their energy because Tennessee did not get off softly, and the situations are not the same. Why would you punish the the current staff and and the people that are currently in the building that were not here when the the incident went down under Pruitt? And then also, like I mentioned, Tennessee is the last school that you can talk about 
talk to about a coach being suspended for lying to the NCAA because their coaches have been hit a whole lot harder for, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I wasn't doing what I'm doing now when the Bruce, Bruce Pearl situation was going on. And so that was kind of right at the beginning of, of social media. So it was a little harder to, to follow that. But Bruce Pearl, from my understanding, didn't do a whole lot differently than the Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he, he got a three-year show calls. I mean, he, he, he did lie. But he, yes. he he hosts the recruits at his house, which probably is worse than than, than watch the recruit on Zoom. But yeah. you, you still you still lie, like you misled the NCAA, and that's why he got hit ultimately with the three three years. Right. Um. It seemed like a slap on the wrist for a lot of people. Even Tennessee fans may may feel this way. That's okay. It seems like a slap on the wrist. Because we were not good under Pruitt, so are you are you really punishing yourself by firing a coach that wasn't good? If you if you fire a coach that was actually good and winning, then to some that's considering really really punishing yourself. But we did in a way. We fired everybody that was associated and some um, folks with deep ties to Tennessee that wasn't implicated still were caught in the crosshairs and lost jobs that affected their careers. And a lot of people are not talking about that, but that is a real thing. And I just saw this from, from Michigan folks, and it, it bothers me because like Michigan was, was a school I was going to up until I went on my visit to Tennessee. And I've always liked Michigan from afar. Um, it's a it's it's a really cool school to me. Academically, it's one of the best schools in the Big Ten in the country. I am just shocked. I'm as shocked. I'm shocked at the at how simple minded some of these folks really are. I thought we were supposed to be dumb in the South. I thought we were supposed to be stupid down here. Common sense will tell you that Tennessee suspension, investigation, nothing like Michigan's. All right, let me go to the phones. 865-255-03. Good morning. Common sense, just not common no more, bro. Turkey man. You know it. I know it. I know it. Hey, I was wondering about about something. I know you you got this discussion going on, and they ain't been watching us for ten or fifteen years of how we've uh, self destructed ourselves and what we've hired and all and what we've gone through. But that's neither here nor there. But I was wondering the other day is talking about Kirby Smart at Georgia. How good a coach he is. How good a coach you think he would be if he was at Kentucky? Uh, it'd still be good. I mean, he's a good coach. No, but how good? I mean, well, we, we I'm looking at at uh, at Coach Kentucky Scott. I think he's a good coach. Uh, and uh, years ago, for all of our time, uh, Bear Bryant was at Kentucky. Uh, and uh, they wanted basketball over football, but Bear Bryant was successful for the short time he was at Kentucky. I just wondered, uh, in the recruiting, how how rich 
Georgia is in recruiting for years, how good Kirby Smart would be, say, at Kentucky. I mean, he wouldn't be as good as he is at Georgia, Turkey Man. I mean, I, I think, I think, no, I don't think so. I don't yeah, either. And I think that, I mean, I, that's okay. Like, part of winning at a high level is you got to have the resources to use to be successful. It's why Josh Heupel looks at the Tennessee job as as a career job. And so many people that tried to link him to Oklahoma because he played at Oklahoma, he's he can be more successful at Tennessee than at Oklahoma. Um, Josh Heupel, when he's a Central Florida turkey man, people said he couldn't recruit. Mm-hmm. And then he comes to Tennessee, and then Tennessee has top 10 class. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means it's easy to recruit at Tennessee. You're going to have more success at Tennessee. And Georgia has always had talent, even when Mark Rick was there. Curry Smart just turned the switch to a, to another another level. That's all that that he did. Um, but Georgia's always had talent. They've always done a pretty good job under Mark Rick, for sure. Um, better than just a pretty good job. They were dang good uh, under Georgia. But I think there's a lot of programs that if you took their coach away, like Dabo and, and Nick and um, Kirby, you put them at Kentucky, they wouldn't be as successful as, as they are right now. And that's okay. Well, I know scheduling, timing's everything, and I know Georgia has been really fortunate in their scheduling. Uh, and, you know, they've hit it just right as far as uh, people that are playing not that great. And uh, I, I know that uh, I know that a lot of teams would would have been pretty good if they had had the uh, scheduling that Georgia had. Anyhow, just thought about that. It doesn't matter. I think we're we we're gonna do fine. And last count I had, we we're doing good and everything. I'll take that. That's, That's right, Turkey Man. Thank you. Yeah. Bye bye. See you, Turkey Man. I mean, I was on Birmingham Radio a couple of days ago and. The, the the that topic came up about Georgia's schedule, and I just I just believe that Georgia schedule gets criticized because they're so good. And I believe they also had to cancel their Oklahoma game. They did have to cancel it, so they've played Oregon to start the season. They've played Notre Dame uh, in, in a in a year. This when when Brock Kelly was there. Um, they canceled the Oklahoma series because Oklahoma was coming to the SEC since he had to do the same thing. I think when you are butt booty terrible and you play in the SEC, your schedule is going to be really hard, <laughs> like really hard. I remember 2013 being, which is first year, we played Oregon on the road, and that team was a national championship team, Marcus Mariota. That, we scored first, but that was it. After that, um, we got crushed. We got crushed. And 14 schedule was still hard, too, because you play Oklahoma on the road. But the schedule wasn't as hard because your team got a little bit better. And then in 2015, you play Oklahoma at home. The schedule wasn't as hard as the years before. Why? Because you got better. So I just think that Georgia gets a lot of criticism about their schedule because they're so good. Of course their schedule looks easy because Florida's not good anymore. Auburn is not good anymore. 
So if Georgia Tech was good for some of these teams that they were playing, then maybe their schedule will be harder. But it's not Georgia's fault. They just skip. They play the game that's on the schedule. And they try to play some non-conference games that matter. So I'm just not on that train. I'm just not on that. No, I, I, I'm not either. Well, and, and like the the schedules that are being talked about as being brutal this season, uh, Arkansas, South Carolina, and there's a third in terms of like the most difficult schedules that, that people are referencing uh, th- this season. If you take Arkansas schedule or South Carolina's, and, and I don't know either schedule off the top of my head, but if if you took either and handed it to Georgia and said, here, play this schedule, I, I bet the schedule doesn't look as tough as it does for Arkansas and South Carolina. It looks different when Georgia's the one playing it and Arkansas and South Carolina is is the one playing it. And, and I think Arkansas and South Carolina, they're, they're going to have perfectly fine football teams. I'm, I'm not going to say that they're going to compete to win a championship, but I also don't think that they're going to suck is, is more my point. Yeah. Um, but you hand that schedule to Georgia uh, and it's and it's not at all. The, the same schedule that that is currently being discussed uh in in my opinion um uh, but and going back to the turkey man's point about kirby smart i i think so much of of winning a national championship has has to do with the school more so than the coach i i think you need the coach to 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 get the school and the team over the hump kind of like we just saw with with kirby smart in georgia but i think the school automatically puts a coach in a in a great position to be successful, and and then it's up to the coach to to take those resources and make the most out of it. Uh, and I, I think Kirby Smart is is an excellent coach. Uh, I I think right now I don't think that you can say that he's not presently the best coach in in college football. Now I said presently. Not greatest of all time. That that will belong to Nick Saban uh, for for several more years, more than likely. Uh, but presently, I do think Kirby Smart is the best coach in college football. But we're not sitting here on July twenty seventh, two thousand and twenty three. Swain turning forty seven years old. Hey, if, if Kirby takes that South Carolina job, like he almost did, Kirby was very, 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 very close to taking the South Carolina job. And it is a different, it's it's a different route. It, it's a different chapter in in college football history. Georgia's probably not winning the two national championships that it has, uh, unless it's able to to hire somebody so, similar uh, to Kirby. Uh, because again, I I think at Georgia, you in my opinion at, at Georgia, you start on second base almost, if if not third base. I, I would say second base just to be safe. Whereas at South Carolina, you're starting from home plate. You're you're still in the batter's box at South Carolina in terms of being in position to to win a national championship. And and if Kirby takes that South Carolina job like he almost did, he I promise you he's not winning two national championships. Uh, he's a, still a good football coach, but he's looked at much differently than he is now. Just because some programs in the sport, it's no different than North Carolina and Duke in basketball. LSU and baseball, the, these, I mean, we can even go to the professional ranks and the, the Yankees and the Dodgers, these, these huge payroll teams, like they're, they're starting on different bases than other teams just because they have better resources. Uh, so I, I, 
to, to Turkey Man's point, like he, he's right. Like if you if you plop Georgia or Kirby Smart at South Carolina or Kentucky or or Missouri, like he's still a really really good football coach, but he's not winning two national championships. Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma to go to USC for a reason. Yes. So you can be a good coach and not win a championship because you don't have the the infrastructure. You don't have the resources. The that a school can possess a coach with to go out there and, and, and win in a high level. So Kirby's not one of those guys I'm going to say, put him somewhere else and see if he wins. Well, probably won't win the same. Nick Saban probably won't win the same if you put him in another school, even though he has won championships at multiple schools. But LSU has proven with, with Ed Orgeron winning a championship that LSU is one of those schools you yeah. start on second or third base with like swap swap Kirby Smart and Matt Campbell right like Matt Campbell is thought to be one of the best coaches in, in college football and, and he is I do think Matt Campbell is one of the best coaches in, in college football but he's at Iowa State working with different resources you put Kirby at Iowa State and he's probably having the same amount of success if not a little bit more than Matt Campbell. And if you put Matt Campbell at Georgia, Matt Campbell's probably winning the national championship. It's they they got different toys to play with. Uh Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. To go to LSU. So like that's that's the point that we're making there, Turkey Man, is I'm I'm not gonna take anything away from what Kirby Smart has been able to do just because he's at Georgia. Like he played Georgia um and Georgia has produced a lot of talent in state. But uh, Georgia's best player ain't from Georgia. Well, and and here's my last one. Put Mark Stoops at Georgia. I think he wins a national championship. I absolutely think that Mark Stoops wins no, a national championship. Mark, I, I think Mark he's Rick a, a – what's that? I said Mark Stoops at Georgia is Mark Rick at best. Mm, maybe. I, I – I mean, you know, I'm really high on Stoops. I think he has a great culture. I think he can recruit. I I think he's a great X's and O's coach. I I, I if I were him, like it, it still baffles me that he hasn't tried to go get one of those bigger jobs. Obviously, that that Kentucky job when you're cruising like Stoops is, it's it's a very comfy job, right? Like there there's not a ton of pressure on you when when you're winning at a place like Kentucky, like he is. But the the competitor, which I know he is a competitor, I'm kind of surprised he didn't try to get that FSU job. A little bit more because I, I think I'm not saying 1,000% winning a national championship, but I would not at all be surprised if Stoops went to Georgia, Florida State, LSU, Auburn, some of these bigger programs that he's been connected to. Like I think he would he would have a, a legitimate chance, as much of a chance as anybody in the country to go win a national championship. That's how how highly I think of Stoops, but he'll never reach that level at Kentucky just because those other programs that I just mentioned they have better resources on the football field than Kentucky does. Remember when James Franklin was at Vanderbilt and Franklin won seven games and beat Tennessee and had success. And uh, when he was at Vanderbilt, I know I felt like James Franklin had the opportunity to go win a championship at a place with more resources. Well, James Franklin has been Mark Stoops. I mean, excuse me. He's been Mark Rick at Penn State. He's been really, really good. Really good. Nine games, 10 games. But hadn't gotten over the hump, and and James Franklin to me is a way better coach than Stoops. 
I'll take Stoops over Franklin. Franklin's too much of a cornball for me. I don't care about that. Don't yeah, care about you, you should. I don't care about that. I, I think uh, he, he, Franklin's corniness gets him in in trouble. And I said corniness with a C for those watching at home. Corniness with a C uh, for, for those watching at home. I, I think that gets him in trouble. I, I think Stoops is a better football coach than, than James Franklin. Okay. For several reasons. No, you just named one. Corniness. Well, that that's one. I think Mark Stoops is a better recruiter than James Franklin. I think Mark Stoops knows ball better than James Franklin. Okay. I, again, I, 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 I want to – I really – Stoops w- has gotten more out of Kentucky than Franklin has gotten at Penn State. Didn't, yeah. didn't Stoops beat Franklin a couple years ago, too, in a bowl game? Bowl game matchups don't matter. If you want to yes, say that, then, I, I understand then Brom that, is but... a way better coach than Heupel, but – Franklin has taken Penn State's to to height Penn State to heights that Stoops will never take Kentucky. Yes, but that doesn't mean that James Franklin is a, a better football coach than Mark Stoops. That just means that James Franklin has a better job than Mark Stoops. That's true too. That's true too. I I think if you put Stoops at Penn State, he gets more out of Penn State than James Franklin does. Oh man, I hope that happens. Oh, I hope that happens. Oh. I know one thing. I don't know if Franklin would, would lose to Tennessee when Tennessee <laughs> has been down the way the Stoops has been losing Tennessee. That, yes, one that, that win, is, one signature win. That is surprising. One that, win, that is, Ben. That, that is a definitely a, a, a fair knock for sure. Okay, one win. How terrible Tennessee has been over the years. One win. It's crazy. Okay. That 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 is that has been uh, Mark Stoops. Tennessee has been Mark Stoops' kryptonite. There there is no debating that uh, whatsoever. Eight six five two hundred fifty five zero three. We take a quick timeout. Ben McKee, Go Vols two four seven. Jason Swain here, live from the Low T Center Studio. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Swain event is brought to you by Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant, Dead End Barbecue. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. 
Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Guys, if you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low T. Schedule your annual health assessment at Low T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near a Low T Center or you just need the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low T Center makes it easy to get started on treatment. Only your first two visits are in person. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. That's Low T Center, reinventing men's health care swain event swain event.com fueled by dead end barbecue top 100 barbecue restaurant in america thank you for being with us this morning we really 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 appreciate your time ben mckee go vols 247 i'm jason swain live from the low t center studio all right uh tennessee was one of two teams for Kyle Bates, the corner from Orlando. Uh, he picks LSU. The reaction for me is next. Best direction you have to have. If you don't have that reaction as a Tennessee fan, you'll drive yourself crazy. Will Tennessee say next? No. They'll continue to recruit them. That don't mean that you'll get them, but you continue to recruit them until – they sign on, on a piece of paper. And even after that, you never know with how things are going now in college football, maybe you still recruit them. But get used. Get used to losing and winning big battles. Get used to it. Don't allow yourself to have a bad day because Tennessee loses out on a good recruit. And don't allow yourself to define your day by what Tennessee does in recruiting, good or bad, because you're going to be on an emotional roller coaster. This is where Tennessee was supposed to be all along. Recruiting against LSU and, and Alabama, um, and Clemson, and Georgia. And you're going to win some, and you're going to lose some. The key is winning the right ones. That's the key. You're not going to win all of them. Because Alabama doesn't win all of them. Georgia doesn't win all of them. They just Georgia win the right yesterday. ones. Yeah, like, just re- win the right ones. Fill needs, address needs, and address them with championship-quality players. And Tennessee... <laughs> racked up in the transfer portal and from the high school ranks in this past recruiting class, bringing in, what, four to five to six brand-new DBs. Now, I'm not saying that you don't continue to recruit that position, but there's other needs in this class. And again, you got to give credit to LSU for doing a good job recruiting Kyle Bates. So... I'm not saying this because I've seen a lot of freak out. I'm just saying this because 
we were on a little bit of a run. And we were expecting to close out this month with Kai Bates and really taking us over the top and possibly being a top 10 class entering August. And that's not going to happen. But it's part of it. It's part of it. Not going to freak out. Yeah, I, I, I think you summarized it perfectly. Uh, I think, and, and I kind of talked about this uh, a couple of, of weeks ago. I guess it was two weeks ago when I kind of went on my, my rant, if you want to call it a rant. Um, but readjusting expectations on the recruiting trail. And and, and this is for, for more of the diehards that, that are following recruiting on a daily basis who know all the names that Tennessee is after. Tennessee recruits, and it's not just Tennessee, every program in the country is recruiting hundreds of players a cycle, hundreds of them. And I'd say 100 to 150 guys that that they get at least somewhat serious about within a cycle. Lord knows they offer everybody in, in the entire class. But in terms of like guys coming on visits, whether it be unofficial visits or official visits or uh, going in and seeing them at their school or, or going in and watching them practice, having serious conversations over the phone. Like I guarantee you it's 100 to 150 guys, if, if not more, every single cycle. And you can only sign 25 of them. I mean, just simple math tells you that they are going to lose more than they are going to win. And you, you have to cast a, a wide net because you are going to lose more than you are going to win. And, and not necessarily because you're doing something wrong, but because it, it's just simple math. You recruit too many guys and, and don't bring in as many guys a, as you recruit. Uh, so I, I do think expectations maybe need to be tempered. And like, if you don't want to adjust those expectations, that's fine. It, it, I mean, it's you're your own personal person, obviously. You're, you're, you're your own person. Um, but I, I just think you're setting yourself up for not even an, emo, an emotional roller coaster like you just said, Swain. I, I just think you're setting yourself up for a lot of frustrations and, and a lot of anger and, and sadness, whatever word you want to use, mm-hmm. if, if you don't temper your expectations. Should you have high expectations? For Tennessee football recruiting, yes. Yes, you should. Tennessee should be in the top 10, top 15 minimum every single every single year because it, Tennessee has the resources to go land the top 10, top 15 class at minimum every single year. You, you should have high expectations, but getting upset at every single person that doesn't commit to Tennessee and, and, and questioning everything Tennessee is about when, when that player doesn't pick Tennessee, you're going to be doing that way more often than you're not. I mean, just look at the the receiver room and Swain, I would say like to your point about, you know, winning the right ones, obviously winning the right ones is important. I just think you have to win your fair share that that's kind of the way that I, I phrase it just win your fair share because you're going to have the, these recruiting battles at this level with Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, LSU, these these same big time programs that that's who you're going up and recruiting week share? in week out. What's that? What what's what's your fair share? Like what what is this like a, a SEC ESPN revenue split? 
Like, hey, I mean, like your fair look, share look, is uh, one five star per team in the SEC. Even you, Vanderbilt, you get a five star. That's the fair share. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about all that, but like the, I think the receiver recruiting right now is is kind of a great example, right? Like Tennessee has already land landed Mike Matthews and Braylon Staley. Mike Matthews, the five star, picked Tennessee over Clemson, USC, Georgia, Alabama. They're also recruiting Ryan Wingo, who is considering Georgia and Michigan and Texas, and he's from St. Louis, and and apparently there's some Missouri buzz. Uh, picking up there with, with the five-star receiver Ryan Wingo. Good, but what's that? I said good. Yeah, yeah, good, good for for Drinkwitz. Yeah, good um, for Drinkwitz. But like, okay, so you've been after Mike Matthews, but you've been after Ryan Wingo, you've been after Amari Jefferson, you've been after Braylon Staley, and and, and there's some other guys that, that have popped up. Remember, uh, Mazio Bennett? He he committed to Tennessee real early. He's from Greenville, South Carolina, and and, and he went on to decommit. Uh, and and then you had the JJ Harrell. Uh, who was committed pretty early, and and then uh, he's now committed to Mississippi State, but one of the top players in the state of Mississippi. Like you've been after these these long lists of of receivers. Like you can't bring in six, seven, eight guys at the receiver position. That the the math just does not work out that way. And say like worst case scenario, Ryan Wingo, which seems unlikely at this point to to come to Tennessee out of the 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 big names that, that Tennessee is recruiting right now. I'm not trying to say that Tennessee is completely out of it, but I think Tennessee is in better position with Amari Jefferson is, is more my point. Like if you can swing Amari Jefferson in your favor and beat out Alabama and you end up with a receiver class of Mike Matthews, Amari Jefferson, Braylon Staley, and and I think that Tennessee is going to go out and get a, a portal receiver every year. I think they're going to bring in a Brew McCoy, a Dante Thornton every single season. That that's my personal opinion. I agree so with if, that. if you if you land another elite receiver talent out of the portal, on top of bringing Mike Matthews in, bringing Amari Jefferson in, bringing Braylon Staley in, I promise you, if if that works out the way that it does, there's not a better receiver class in the country than than that right there. So are you really going to be upset that Ryan Wingo didn't come, that Mazio Bennett decommitted, that J.J. Harold decommitted, because at the time of, of those guys decommitting, there's a little bit of a freakout. If Ryan Wingo commits elsewhere, there's going to be a little bit of a freakout because Tennessee was his early leader. Tennessee had some early momentum. Why can't Tennessee close? Why can't Tennessee finish? Like, that's kind of my point about winning your fair share. Like Tennessee is winning their fair share of battles and and i realize that each position is kind of different i'm only speaking to receiver right now but that that's more so what i mean about winning your your fair shares like you're going to be recruiting against these elite teams for several players can can you win a couple of them and if if you can win a couple of them then i think your recruiting class as a whole at the end of the day is going to be in really really good position there's going to be some players that other teams are willing to do things for to get the Tennessee is not willing to do. Let's just, let's just call a spade a spade here. Simple as that. So, a, a, a tackle, a pass rusher that you think is pro quality should be a bigger priority than someone in a different position. Other teams may have more depth 
at those positions. Well, Tennessee doesn't have that depth that maybe some other teams in the conference have at that position. So now we are on Amar Jefferson watch because he is going to announce his commitment next Saturday on, on the 5th. And so you mentioned it, Tennessee, Alabama. What's going to happen and, there? So He's going to be at Tennessee tomorrow, uh, th- this weekend. He's It's a big weekend for Amari Jefferson. Uh, un- unless the dates have changed since since I last saw or, or since I last checked, which I don't believe that they have, uh, Amari is going to be in, in Knoxville tomorrow, July 28th. And then Saturday, July 29th, he is going to be at Alabama. Uh, and... Uh, it it seems th- this is where I'm glad I was never a, a recruit Swain because it seems like Amari Jefferson is like truly torn between Tennessee and Alabama and, and is just having a, a miserable time uh, deciding. Uh, at, at least he has the the last couple of weeks, in in my opinion, and he's he's going to meet with. I mean, he already knows Tony Vitello's baseball program like the the back of his hand. Uh, there's not much more for him to. In my opinion, there's there's not much more for him to learn about Tennessee football or baseball. He's been up here a ton. He's from East Tennessee, obviously. Uh, I, I think he has a great relationship with, with both the baseball program and the football program. Whereas at Alabama, he obviously knows the, the football program really well, but the baseball program, he's committed to Tennessee baseball. So he doesn't have that familiarity with Alabama baseball, and Alabama baseball has a new coaching staff. Uh, so I, I think there is a little bit more to learn uh, about Alabama in, in that sense. And it's going to be an interesting recruitment because he he's somebody that could possibly be drafted. I think we talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be drafted enough, drafted high enough to where he would sign and, and not come to college. But it's it's certainly a possibility, a, a slight possibility, but but still a possibility. Nonetheless, he, he's had a huge offseason, huge summer Uh on the baseball trail and it's kind of blown up in a sense. Um, but that that's an interesting one, Swain. It, it, Amari Jefferson, I, I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you, you really, really want him. And, and not just because he's from Chattanooga and the in-state kid. I, I mean, I, I think he's just as, just as talented as Mike Matthews, just kind of in a, in a different way. I know the rankings don't reflect that, but I, I don't see much difference, if any, between Matthews and, and Jefferson, but we'll see how this weekend goes. It's it's a huge, huge weekend for Alabama and, and Tennessee when it comes to Amari Jefferson. Man, I don't man, I don't care where a player from. I mean, if he's good and he wants to be in Tennessee, that's all that matters to me. But I yes. do understand the importance of locking down your state, which I think is just could be hard to do in places like Chattanooga and Nashville, where uh, it's become more and more of a melting pot of people moving in from different parts of the country who didn't grow up as necessarily Tennessee fans. Um, But we are on Amar Jefferson watch. And I've always preferred to be like the last visit before a player makes an announcement. But this player has been in Tennessee so many times. I mean, what else could he need to see? Um, Or Alabama, what else could he need? Or, Or what else does he need to see? from Alabama to make a decision. Um, I can't sit here and put myself in that young man's shoes because I didn't have two teams that I, that were like neck and neck, and I struggled with choosing one or the over, over the other for weeks and weeks on out. Like I didn't have that trouble, but I can only imagine how difficult that is 
for him. But it's a good problem to have because he's choosing between two really, really good programs. 865-255-03. Bulldog Brian says Kirby Smart's biggest advantage on other teams and coaches is the ability to recruit at an elite level. Oh, yeah, yeah, perfect. Bulldog Brian, we, we know that. <laughs> Bulldog Brian, we love you, but you – you didn't enlighten us on that one. Everyone knows what it's about. It's about Jimmy's and Joe's. And it's hard to lose when you have a team full of Philadelphia Eagles. Ain't that what Will Rogers said, quarterback at Mississippi State? <laughs> like, yep. when you got guys that are first-round quality, and, yeah, I mean, Georgia gets credit for developing them and all that good stuff, but it's a little bit easier to develop players like that when they already are superior to all the competition in their class. So ball fan stop. You know, you know, Ben likes stoops. It doesn't mean he needs to go cover Kentucky. <laughs> stop ball fan. Uh, Jeff Moore says Michigan fans live in the frozen tundra half of the year. Their brains lose oxygen. In that cold-ass weather. Bless their hearts. Happy birthday, Swain. 39 is fine wine. Appreciate that. Thank you, Vol Nation, for birthday love. And uh, Vol Storm and Raleigh Vol. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Vol fan says Bruce Pearl's situation is all Bruce Pearl's fault. Any any decent person would not encourage his assistants to lie and risk their livelihoods just to try to cover his ass about something that would would have been a slap on the wrist if he hadn't lied. Yeah, I mean... Definitely Bruce for uh Bruce Pearl's fault. Not saying it wasn't, but looking at Harbaugh, who lied to NCAA and only got four games, Bruce Pearl lied, even though he did a little bit more in recruiting because he hosted a barbecue. Um, but yeah, a lot of people think finally of Bruce Pearl because of all the things he did here at Knoxville. But there's a lot of people that hate Bruce Pearl because of how he handled that situation and how it affected his assistant coaches. So it just depends on who you talk to and what day it is. I personally have a good experience with Bruce Pearl. 865-255-03 is our telephone number. Oh, man. A couple more days, y'all. Couple more days, Tennessee reporting on the first, first practice in less than a week. First practice, less than a week. To me, football is here. If you're practicing, the football season has begun. The first game is in a couple weeks. But if you're practicing, That means the season has begun. That's my take on this year. And every year when it comes to the start of college football. 865-255-03. Ben McKee, Go Vols 247. I'm Jason Swain, live here in the Low T Center studio. Stay with us.
Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain event app. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low T Center, reinventing men. Healthcare. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over. Freedom Motors is the local pre-owned car dealer who does more for you than any other dealer around. You want convenience? You can check out their entire line of vehicles online at freedommotorstn.com. And when you find what you like, they'll bring the vehicle right to your door. That's a dealer who cares about you and your time. Shop Freedom Motors today and let's get you in your new ride. Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're in everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris, with Keller Williams Realty at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Go Vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes! Then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube. A65 25503 Swain Hotline Thursday, July 27th, less than a week before fall camp starts for Tennessee. We do this every year, Ben. Countdown to the start of football. It gets here, and then in a blink of an eye, it's all gone. And then we count down again to the start of college football, which is really not that long in the grand scheme of things. Talk to what five months out of the year, but dude, the best time of the year is approaching. It is approaching, and there's a lot of buzz around Tennessee football. There's a lot of conversation around Joe Milt, and I remember all the conversations we've had on this program when it was in the mornings from. 7 to 10, that first year Josh Heupel and, and Joe Milton was coming in as a transfer from Michigan. Oh, man, that's that's why y'all softy, Michigan. Because y'all know that we're going to do something with Joe Milton that you couldn't do. That ain't happened yet. It didn't happen yet. Joe Milton still has a lot to prove. Hasn't proved it yet. 
But, man, if Josh Heupel takes Joe Milton and has a big-time year, that ain't going to look good on Harbaugh, who's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. Anyways, Joe Milton comes in first year after spring. Didn't have the ideal start to his Tennessee career. And here he is right now with the opportunity. And get this get this clear, too. Last week in SC Media Days, Joe Milton was at the talk. Even when Tennessee wasn't going. Everyone was talking about Joe Milton. This is according to Cole Kubert. SEC Network. Chris Lowe. Everyone has been talking about Joe Milton all week last week. Or did talk about him all week last week. But there's no other quarterback in this conference right now that's overhyping Joe Milton. That's not a bad thing right now because no games have been played. In a lot of ways, it's a good thing because there's so much attention put on Tennessee's program. Jerry Jones, Dallas Cowboys, the owner. They haven't won anything in forever, but everyone's talking about the Cowboys. That ain't a bad thing. So the conversation has been about Joe Milton, but let's understand something. Let's get something really clear here, Ben. There's not another quarterback in this conference that's been overhyped more than Joe Milton. And that doesn't mean I don't believe that Joe Milton's going to have a good season because I do think he's going to have a good season. I'm fired up for what I think he's going to do because I've seen the transformation. I've seen the changes. His answer to... Tyler and Will on last Thursday when he laid out and he was transparent, he was vulnerable. It was an unbelievable answer. When he lost the job, he questioned himself, thought about leaving, was home in Florida, looked in the mirror. It's like, yo, you belong. God has blessed you. Physical talents. You're good. Go, go, go handle business. Go smile. Go be the best teammate you can be. It'll work out. And here he is. It is an unbelievable answer by Joe Milton. So I encourage you, if you haven't heard it, go to Sports Animals website. Uh, Josh Ward wrote a article on it and then link the audio uh, inside of it. Go listen to that. I think you will have a different perspective on, on Joe Milton. If it's good, it'll be better. If it's bad, it'll be good. Like It will change how you think about Joe Milton for sure uh, when you listen to the audio. It's good stuff. But a lot of pressure on Joe Milton, man. A lot of pressure. Because he's been talked about more than K.J. Jefferson, who's been a starter in this league for multiple years. He's been talked about more than Will Rogers. The only quarterback that's been talked about more than Joe Milton, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ben, is Jaden Daniels. That's the only quarterback that's been talked about more and hyped more than Joe Milton. 
I I would think that Joe Milton has been the most typed quarterback in the SEC, uh, and Jane Daniels would be number two behind Joe Milton. You think so? That would be my that's my personal Ooh. opinion. I feel like everywhere you turn, people are trying to put Jaden Daniels on this preseason Heisman list and saying, "Hey, LSU's going to win these many these this many games, and they'll beat Alabama again because of Jaden Daniels." I mean, there a lot of people putting a lot of stock in LSU because of Jaden Daniels, and I just I'm like, yo, I I don't know about that. But hey, if you feel like Joe's been talked about more than Jane Daniels, hey man, I'm I'm I, I have no reason not to not to agree with you on that one because I don't pay attention to everything you pay attention to. I've just seen a lot of talk about Joe Milton. There there's been a lot of talk about Joe for sure. Uh and, and Jaden as well. I, I'm curious to see how the, the SEC does at the quarterback position this season that there's a lot of interesting names and, and players, uh, Jane Daniels, Joe Milton, uh, KJ Jefferson. I love me some KJ Jefferson. Uh, I'd like to go cover Arkansas instead of Kentucky, if that's okay with all fan, because I love <laughs> KJ Jefferson. Uh, and speaking of Kentucky, uh, Devin Leary, I mean, he, he honestly might prove to be the best quarterback in the sec. That's right. Vol fan. I'll hype up anything Kentucky. If I want to hype it up, uh, Spencer Rattler, can he take the next step? There, there's a lot of fascinating quarterbacks in, in the SEC this season, but there's no like great, bona fide SEC quarterback star going into the season, in, in my opinion. Will Rogers, uh, another good quarterback. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the SEC entering the season, in my opinion, but there's no one great quarterback. Uh, even... You know, Alabama and Georgia, you, you have players that you think are going to win the job. Carson Beck at Georgia. Uh, and then at Alabama, you've got Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, uh, and and Buddy from, Tyler, from Notre Dame. What's it, Tyler Buckner? Tyler Buckner. And I, and I wonder if Ty Simpson is going to transfer if he doesn't win the job. I wonder that. Yes, I, I wonder as well. I don't – is. Do you know if Tyler Buckner's a graduate player sophomore. or how many years of eligibility he has? He's a sophomore. Sophomore? Okay. Yeah, Taylor Milrow, sophomore, Buckner, sophomore, Ty Simpson, redshirt freshman. So I mean, I, I'm obviously not around Alabama every day, but from the outside looking in and, and the limited knowledge I have, I, I don't know why Ty Simpson would, would look at those other two and think, why, why? I'm not scared of them. I, I think Ty Simpson – is a better overall quarterback than than Jalen Milrow, just because I think Milrow is so one-dimensional with his legs. He can really, really run. I remember Nick Saban saying at one point that uh, Jalen Milrow was the fastest player on the team at Alabama, which is pretty pretty telling because, you know, Alabama turns out the the athletic freaks year in and, and, and year out. I didn't see him but last like, year. What's that? I didn't see that speed last year. <laughs> I, I did not. Uh, either I, I I think his his mind was tying up his feet. Uh, he he was drowning in in the deep end there, trying to fill in for for Bryce Young. But uh, even Tyler Buckner, like why would Ty Simpson be intimidated by Tyler Buckner? What what has Tyler Buckner ever done? The only thing is that he's older because I, Tyler I Buckner think. is there. That's why yes, one thousand percent. Like that. Like think about it, man. If you're hitting the hooker and. The spring game has concluded. The orange or white game has concluded. Spring football's over. 
and then you turn around and Tennessee's bringing in another quarterback, that screams the coaching staff didn't like what they saw during 15 practices. And they're bringing in someone else. So if I'm Todd Simpson and Jalen Milrow, I'm going, oh, oh, Coach Saban didn't like what he saw. He's bringing in more competition because yeah, he's not sold it, on it. It just from listening to some Alabama people, the, the Greg McElroy's and, and the John Parker Wilson's, it, it seems like it was more of a experience thing than a does this guy have ability thing because Ty Simpson has been talked about favorably in the sense of probably having the best arm out of the three. And, and like, I, I've never really heard any doubt casted upon Ty Simpson's ability the doubt is more from an inexperience factor, if if that makes sense, which is why I think Alabama and Nick Saban chose to go out and get Tyler Buckner so they could have a a fallback plan if Milrow and if Ty Simpson isn't able to to take that next step. But again, back to my first point, like we have no idea who's going to be Alabama's quarterback nope. and, and if they're going to be successful. Uh, Carson Beck, everybody is assuming that he's going to be the guy and and do a good job with with the job and I I have no reason to believe that he won't be, but I also have no reason to believe that he will be. I, I just think it's a really, really fascinating year of the quarterback in the SEC. Graham Mertz at Florida. I, I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's good either. I think he's average at, at best and, and he doesn't have a ton to work with in my opinion at the skill position. And that spring game was telling too about uh, for Florida because I mean, they couldn't buy, a touchdown. They couldn't buy no. points. And after this, after the spring game, in a postseason interview, Bill Napier said publicly how he was going to get into the portal at the quarterback position. So that should tell you a lot too about yeah, you know his confidence. Auburn, in the position. Auburn goes and gets Peyton Thorn. I mean, it's kind of like Tyler Buckner to me. I mean, he's had some success at the college level, but I. I think he's good at best. I don't think he's going to have like a star season. Uh, Ole Miss has some interesting quarterbacks: Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders. Yeah, all the quarterbacks. They they do have all the quarterbacks. So I, I'm fascinated to see how that that plays out this year. Missouri, who in the world knows who who, who they're going to play? Uh, Brady Cook's supposed to be the guy that gets the first snap during the first practice, but Missouri has some nice skill position players, but I don't know that they have anybody to to get them the ball. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it plays out. I do think there's a. Little, I like Jaden Daniels. I do. Um, I just I do think he's also getting a, a little a little more hype than maybe he deserves because of the the logo on the side of the helmet. What's different between Jaden Daniels and and Joe Milton? To me, the difference is Jaden Daniels went and and tore it up in the Pac-12 at Arizona State, and people kind of remember him scrambling around in, in the Pac-12 and and making some plays out there. And Jane Daniels was was good last year. I'm not trying to suggest that he he wasn't, but people are. it seems like people are trying to talk about him in the same vein as, as uh, uh, maybe a little less than, than Bryce Young of, of last year. Where? Who? What people said that? I just think people in general. I think because because the SEC lacks that true star quarterback, I think They're guys making. like Jane Daniels are maybe being talked about a little bit more yeah, than yeah. they than they should be. Go put Joe Milton in the Pac-12. What what's he doing for a season? I mean, I, I think he's tearing up that league as 
as well. And and like what did Jaden Daniels prove last year that that maybe Joe didn't in his limited amount of playing time? Like I think what Joe did against Clemson is just as impressive as anything Jane Daniels did last year. Joe hasn't done it consistently. 1,000%. But neither has Jaden Daniels. Well, I mean, Jaden Daniels had multiple games last year where you could say he played well. And, hell, even, like, he played. Like, he actually played and started and helped lead the team to victory. And you can't necessarily just look at all his stats and, and determine how good he was. Like, he was... Like, he got better as the season went along. Um, he was a very, very important piece to the turnaround there at LSU yes. after after they got mollywalked by Tennessee. Uh, then he leads LSU to a, to a victory over Alabama. So, like, Jaden deserves all the hype over Joe Milton. I, when, you look I at, when you look at body of work. I just don't think Joe had the opportunities, which well, isn't his fault. It is his fault. Um, initially, yes, <laughs> going back to 2021. But like, he can't help that Hinton Hooker turned into a a Heisman front runner. I I think if if Joe has the opportunities to play last year, like like Jane has, I I mean, I I think he's performing just as well, if not better. I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree because I don't know. If Joe would have played all season long, I don't know what he would have done. But he did not play. He was second team because of how he performed when he was healthy. So if you handle business when you're healthy, and that's hard. Like, that's – it's not simple to say, well, if you just handle business when it's healthy, then you have to add context. Both quarterbacks were at a new school – new system, new teammates, where they put a lot on the quarterback. And so Joe had a warm-up game where he made some throws. He didn't make some throws. And then, boom, the next game you're playing Pittsburgh. Joe, Joe made some good plays. He made some bad plays. He got hurt. Hendon came in. Hendon threw an interception, made some bad plays, made some good plays. And then you move forward with Hendon, and Hendon just so happened to be really, really good after that point. And then you had no choice but to make him your starter moving forward because the the the, the heartbeat of your, of your team responded to him, the hooker. It was his team. But I can't sit here and say that Joe didn't get the opportunities that, that Jaden got last year, and that's not his fault. Well, it is his fault. It, it, it is. I wasn't trying to yeah. suggest that that it wasn't. I guess my point was that I think Joe Milton is a different quarterback now and was even last year because of the work that he had put in last offseason and throughout fall camp and and throughout September sitting behind Hendon watching Hendon that I I think if if Joe had the opportunities down the stretch like Jane Daniels had down the stretch because remember Jane Daniels LSU fans wanted him benched, especially after that that thumping that LSU took to Tennessee. The Tennessee week, there, there's a lot of talk about if Jaden Daniels can get the job done and should he be the starting quarterback and and, and this and that. I, I I think if if LSU has a Hendon Hooker 
then then Jaden Daniels gets put on the bench and, and he doesn't have the the finish to, to last season that he had. And, and look, credit to him. I'm not trying to take anything away from what Jaden Daniels did and is. I'm just saying I, I, I think because of the, the two very different circumstances, one guy got to show his improvements as a quarterback and the other guy has not been been able to just yet or only was able to do so in a very, very small sample size. And I think if if the roles were reversed, I think if, if Joe was at LSU in this alternate universe, alternate world that I'm making up, like Joe plays just as well as Jaden did down the stretch, if if not better. 865-255-03, going to the Betty Chevrolet text box. Big red tag sale right now, Betty Chevrolet. All inventory marked down with the best price on the windshield. Get your biggest savings on their largest inventory in years. Up to $10,000 off. Go to BettyChevrolet.com. All right. Raleigh Vol, under over 30 touchdowns for Joe, over under 3.5 touchdowns for Cam Seldon, the freshman running back. 30? 30 touchdowns for Joe Milton. My my initial thought is over. How many did Hendon have last year? Hendon had surpassed 30, right? Uh, you remember Hendon? Hendon got hurt, um, and so probably could have had another one or two versus South Carolina. To, looking at how that game was going back and forth offensively, no one really played defense. Especially Tennessee, especially didn't play in defense, uh, but but Tennessee was able to move the ball uh, as as well. And then the the Vanderbilt game, um, and then the Clemson game. So. There's probably at least five or six touchdowns that Hendon would have gotten in those two and a half games uh, if he would have finished his career uh, healthy. But Hendon last year had ooh, 27 touchdowns. He, he would have gotten 30. He, he had 31 in 2021, Hypo's first season. So 31 yeah. and then 27, will Joe have 30? I'll, I'll say over. I, I think so. I, I I talked about it recently. I, I really, really like where Tennessee's wide receiver room is at. I, I think Brew McCoy and Dante Thornton, I, I think they're, they're stars in the SEC at the position. I, I think they're two of the better uh, receivers in the SEC. I, I know Dante needs to go prove it. Uh, he's he's kind of a question mark, but just hearing the things that you're hearing, it, it's hard not to envision him having uh, a, a big season. Uh, and I think uh, if he does have that big season, he and Brew are going to be top three round picks in, in the draft. Uh, and I've spoken highly of Ramel Keaton. I, I think he is going to be the most consistent guy in the room. I think Squirrel White's going to be productive. I, I think Tennessee's going to be able to run the ball. I, I do have some question marks up front along the offensive line. That That's kind of my my big question mark about the offense going into fall camp. I, I really want to see how that position shakes out because, as I've said a million times, the, the reason Tennessee was able to win 11 games last year and not eight or nine is because of the jump that the offensive line took. And who's playing left guard? Who's playing left tackle? Who's playing right tackle? Those are big, big question marks right now. And 
that that will have a lot to to do with Joe's production. Obviously, Joe Joe can't produce if if the offensive line isn't blocking for him. But uh, ultimately, I, I think Tennessee's offense is is still going to be one of the best in in the SEC, one of the best in the in the country. I do question the offensive line, but I, I do think it'll it'll be just fine. I, I think things will will work out. I, I don't think it'll be bad or anything. Uh, and I do think Joe will get over thirty. Cam Selden, what what was the number on, 2. on that? 5, two point five. 2.5 I'll, I'll say over maybe a couple of those are are against uh austin p and and yukon and, and utsa but uh, i could see him scoring a touchdown or, or two in an sec game I, I think he'll be involved in some capacity if if he is able to to handle the the mental aspects of fall camp and and get a firm grasp of the playbook he wasn't asked to do a ton in high school so i i do think the the playbook and the x's and the x's and o's i think that's going to be a hurdle for him not in the sense of he lacks football iq or he's dumb or something like that it's just it's different for him he wasn't asked to do a ton in high school but i think he'll score a couple touchdowns this year i'm really high on cam selling i like him a ton so the key for joe milton to hit 30 touchdowns or more it's going to be the first five games. Last year, Hendon Hooker, in the first five games, only had 10 touchdowns. When you think about this offense, how explosive it is and was, has been for the last two years, 10 touchdowns in five games, you would, you would expect probably more from a quarterback. Well, what happened? Remember, everyone played against Ball State. The pit game offensively wasn't that good. Wasn't that good. Even though Hendon wound up with 325 yards and two touchdowns, it was a rally there in the second half, but only 64% um, throwing the football. was the second, the third worst percentage of the season. South Carolina was the worst, and then uh, LSU, 63%, Pitt, 64.3. Akron, you beat down. Akron, you took out the your starters. Florida, remember, we left a lot of plays on the field against Florida, Ben. A lot of plays. Only had two touchdowns. LSU, he had two touchdowns to Hyatt. Deep pass and then uh, the skinny post or uh, slant, whatever you want to call it, to Hyatt. So the first five games, Joe Milton had 10, uh, Hendon had 10 touchdowns. What allowed Hendon to damn near break 30? was the five-touchdown game against Alabama. So to make up for the fact that I don't think Joe Milton's going to throw five touchdowns against Alabama this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you you think Joe Milton's going to throw five touchdowns again this year? I do not. Okay. So we are preparing ourselves for Joe Milton to not throw five touchdowns against Alabama, which means Joe will need to throw more touchdowns before Alabama game. Last year, it was the sixth game of the season. 
this year, the first five games, Austin P, Florida, UTSA, and you got South Carolina. And then, let's see who you got at the South Carolina. I want to say it's Texas A&M. You, Texas, yes. Yeah, Texas A&M. It's, uh, it's Florida, UTSA, South Carolina, A&M. So, can Joe get to 14, 13, 14 touchdowns in five games? That's the question for me. Can't do that. UTSA, that's not going to be a game like last year's Akron game or last year's Bowling Green game because UTSA, like, they they can play some ball. They're, they're not your normal pay game here. They have one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Yeah, so there's going to be opportunity for some back and forth. That won't look good on Tennessee's defense, but, like, as we sit today – just be prepared to give UTSA some respect when that week comes up. Florida, if we can finish drives better this year than we did last year, you have an opportunity to throw three touchdown passes, which would be more than Hendon than what he did last year. So for me, it's about those, those first five games, man. Hendon had 10. If Joe can have you know, 13 or so, then he has the opportunity. Hendon did not throw a touchdown um, versus Georgia. But after the Alabama game, threw three touchdown passes per game. UT Martin, Kentucky, Missouri, South Carolina, again, didn't throw any versus Georgia. So after Alabama, uh, he threw 12. So before Alabama, first five games, and Joe throw a bunch. As far as um, Cam Selton, I'm going to go under. Because I'm expecting the running backs to be healthy. Unless someone gets hurt, I think Cam Selton is not going to be one of the top three. And last year, Ben, your top three running backs are the ones that got the touchdowns. Jabbar Small was banged up, but he still played. Dylan Sampson was a third running back, and Dylan Sampson scored six touchdowns. There was not a fourth running back that scored a touchdown. So, in this case, Cam Selden would probably be the fourth running back, best case scenario, beating out everybody else. So, I'm going to go under, man. I'm going to go under two and a half. I'm going to go under, based on that. Samson had six touchdowns last year as a third as a third back. And Samson's going to be better. Jalen Wright's going to be better. Here's what I would, I would argue, just to play devil's advocate, is freshman Cam Selden better than freshman Dylan Samson? I don't know, man. I'll find out here another week and a half. I'll find I out here I, soon. I love me some D-Samp, but I, I, I think Cam Selden as a – True freshman may be better than than true freshman Dylan Sampson. And and if Sampson can can score six as a freshman, I I think uh Cam Selden can get the three. We'll see. Cause it's not gonna matter who's better as freshman. It matters who's better now. And who's better now will determine who gets the third 
rep, third reps at running back. Whoever gets the third reps at running back will have more opportunities to score touchdowns. So Cam's well, up. I'm also I'm also accounting for selling to score a couple in those garbage games when when it's just freshmen playing too. Well, why if it's garbage time? Why why D. Sam won't be playing? Right, because I will assume that because he's part of the the main rotation that they're not going to be risking getting him banged up in in the third and fourth quarter against Austin P and in UTSA if if that is not a game at that point in time. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can see Selden scoring some touchdowns, but I'm just going on presidents here. I'm just going on uh, what what happened last what happened last year with the third third running back. I think you need to go cover somebody else. You're not being positive enough. Who's You're not hyping cover? Tennessee up enough. And he, and he go cover Michigan. Yeah, well, you go cover uh, Virginia or Virginia Tech. That's that's where Cam Seldon came from. I'm good. Would you rather cover Virginia or Virginia Tech? Neither. God, that's, that wasn't an option. Uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, so I would too. It's, it's more football. So yeah. But I'm 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 good where I am, my friend. Right here, covering the I'm, I'm glad that you're comfortable where you are. I am comfortable covering the balls. I've experienced one season of winning in the last decade. Leave me alone. I ain't trying to change anything. Okay. All right, back what are you to talking the- about. But which one? Which one? Eight and nine games a couple times. Those were winning seasons. Underachieved. Underachieved. Beta Chevrolet text box. Brad, if we don't get Franklin, do we need to start asking the question, has Rodney Garner lost his edge in recruiting? From Brad. If Tennessee is unable to secure it's a big-time defensive lineman. I think it's fair to start asking why. When you look at what Rodney Garner has been able to do in this conference, when you look at the last two years, Tennessee has put some guys in the league. I think it's fair to ask why. And that's just me, me being 100% honest with you. And being fair with you. Tina R, happy birthday, Swain. Appreciate that. Turkey Man says, Who who's walk on? Who's a walk on at Georgia? Walk on quarterback? I don't know. Don't anticipate a Stetson Bennett situation happening this year for, for Georgia or next year. Uh Riley Vall says, How about the fact they brought in Hartman? from Wake to my Notre Dame, and then Reese leaves and brings in the guy he wanted to replace, Buckner. Hey. Yeah. That 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 one's interesting. See, I, I, I look at Buckner as more of a just a, another guy. Like I, I don't I don't think he automatically solves the to me he's he's the one running from competition with Sam Hartman going to to Notre Dame. To me, he's just another guy. Maybe he proves me wrong and plays well th- this year, but uh, to me, he's just another guy added to the mix. I-, I don't think he solves Alabama's quarterback room issues. 
We'll see you here in a couple of weeks. Here in a couple of minutes, we will come back to wrap everything up for today's edition of the Swain event. We will go to the hotline, 865-255-03. You can get in on the conversation with us as we will be back on the other side. Stay with us. What's up, Swain Event family? It's great to be on board. This is Taylor Hawkins with Modern Woodman Fraternal Financial, and I have one question for you. When was the last time you have slowed down and evaluated your financial situation? Just like the Vols, a great game plan leads to victory. Let us help you achieve your financial goals with a custom-made game plan. No matter what stage of life you're in, protecting your family and hard-earned money is important. So let one of our local and trusted financial professionals secure your future by visiting one of our 10 branch offices across Tennessee or give us a call locally at 865-312-5638. And remember, go Vols. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC Network, CBS Sports, Headline News Tailgate Show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback. Food Paradise, and named one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the AM and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com and go Vols. Guys, if you've noticed a lack of energy, motivation, and drive, it could be Low-T. Schedule your annual health assessment at Low-T Center. They now offer the convenience of monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments for just $155 a month cash pay or covered by most health insurance. If you don't live near a Low-T Center or you just need the convenience of an at-home treatment, Low-T Center makes it easy to get started on treatment. Only your first two visits are in person. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment online. That's Low-T Center. Reinventing men's health care. All right, Swain Event Fuel by Dead End Barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Let's go to the hotline. Sounds like we got C-Mac in with us this morning, Ben McKee. Good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir, and happy birthday to you, old man. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Walker. This is the absolute best time of the year, and it's not just because we're blessed with your born day, but, you know, football's right around the corner. <laughs> and more importantly, you know, today signifies the countdown, the final countdown. This is everybody's last warning. My birthday coming up pretty soon. No one cares. <laughs> it's my day today. Everybody cares. <laughs> we're spotlight. It's my this day, punk. If you don't remember, if you don't recall, not long after my day comes, you know, the the sun the sunshine is stolen, the spotlight is stolen by Big Orange Max, whose birthday proceeds just a couple of days after. So we're getting ready to see a whole bunch of really good folks' birthday come through. 
Um, but it's always spearheaded by, you know, the number one in our hearts. It's explained. So I happy birthday, it. sir. Thank you, man. It's Leo. It's Leo season. Let's go. It's Leo season. All right, man. And y'all have y'all have a good night. Jabari Davis's birthday is today too. So y'all go y'all go flood his timeline, flood his DMs. I need to share. I need to share my cash app. That's what people do on their birthday, don't they? Ain't that what people do? Nope. 865-255-03. Bulldog Brian says, no walk-ons anymore, Turkey Man. All of four five-star quarterbacks in the wings. Um, good question from Raleigh Vall on over-unders. That was a fun, fun debate uh, there. That was good. Earlier in the program, we covered this whole Michigan Harbaugh stuff where fans are trying to use Tennessee's punishment as a way to justify their uh, gripe with Harbaugh being suspended for four games. He lied. That's what happens when you lie and you don't want to cooperate. You're punished. And Four games against Cupcakes. Sounds like Michigan got off light. The teeth are not as sharp as they were 10 years ago with the NCAA. We all understand that. We all know that, which is why penalties won't be as severe as they were when USC was hit, when Alabama was hit in 2 So if you are expecting that, then don't hold your breath. Those days are over. Tennessee was fined $8 million. Tennessee will feel the effects of not having the full complement of of scholarships. Um, We we punished ourselves, mostly. We also did not allow for a bowl ban to take place. But the NCAA has said that they don't want to do bowl bans. They want to move away from postseason bans and punishing athletes that had nothing to do with the situation. So uh, as much as this hurts me to say this, because I always like Michigan, Michigan fans, shut up. Just shut up. Don't bring us into it. Media members cover Michigan, stop. Don't bring us into it. It's not even the same. Rule are the rules silly NCAA? Yes. Do we are we tired of the NCAA? Yes. But you lied to them. What do you expect was going to happen? Nothing. Uh, Volum Birmingham joined late, wondering about update on Holman. No update. God, hey man, what are you waiting on? Waiting, waiting on. Uh. LJCT63GBO. Happy birthday, Swain. So thankful for you and your high character and uh, representation as a true VFL. May God continue to bless you and keep you in his love and care. Got nothing but love for you. Thank you for that. Appreciate that. I got time for love. So thank you. 
Now, anything else, Ben? Anything we missed on uh, today's edition? Nope. I do not believe we missed anything. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Hope you enjoy your birthday and uh, have a, a good rest of your birthday. Yeah, I think I'm going to go take a nap. You should. It's your birthday. Go do what you want to do. <laughs> no. Nah, I'm up, man. I'll find something to do. i go work in the yard or something. That sounds like fun. Let's do that. Less than a week before Tennessee hits the practice field for the first time in the 2023 season. I don't know about you, but next Wednesday is officially the start of college football season. I don't need game one to set off those alarms. It's college football season next Wednesday. For Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. Thank y'all for the birthday wishes. Swain event fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Peace and love. We are out.